What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Sudafed wants to know, has congestion ever hit you in the face? Does the pressure make it feel like you're underwater? Does it feel like your head is in outer space? Mission Control, we have a sinus congestion problem. Well, there's help. Try new Sudafed PE Day Plus Night for maximum strength congestion relief. So you have helped to beat back congestion. Try new Sudafed PE Day Plus Night. Open up. Use only as directed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Hardwood Knox. Today we have a guest with us, Alec Nathan from Bleacher Report's Breaking News team. How you doing, Alec? I'm good. I'm ready to watch Ben Simmons get drafted by everyone's favorite team tonight. Yeah, Years should, of suffering are over. I should mention Alec is a diehard Sixers fan. We were just talking before we came on that he was trying to uh, condition himself to be okay with Brandon Ingram because that tortured fan base was just convinced they weren't getting the top pick. But now you're pretty stoked, right? I'm yeah, I'm over the moon. Um, <laughs> I was a little, I was a little skeptical of the jump shot, like everyone. But I think, based on everything I've read, and I mean, we have to remember this kid's 19. Like he's going to develop tools that he didn't show at LSU that he didn't, frankly, need to show. And they need playmakers more than anything. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. And he is certainly that. Yeah, I think his jump shot's going to be fine, and everything else is, like, exceptional. So <laughs> I, I hope that Joel Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons turn into, like, these megastars. Ditto for Nerlens Noel, just so that Sam Hankey can be vindicated. And he'll probably be, like, the GM of the Spurs at some point. The, the Sam Hankey vindication is something I want, too. That's Dan Favalli, by the way, folks. I was a little delayed <laughs> on, on his introduction, but you know him already. Um Today we're going to be talking, it is draft day, but the draft will be, it'll come and go here in the next few hours. So we're going to focus mostly on trades that have already happened leading up to the draft, as well as the potential for more moves uh, throughout the offseason. So first off, I wanted to kind of just throw around the trades that happened yesterday. Um, I guess the biggest news, and and we can talk about this, but it's not the biggest news from a on-court production standpoint. But certainly the biggest news from a name standpoint is the Derrick Rose deal. Uh, Vomiting. Yeah, I was going to start with you, Dan, <laughs> because, of course, you are the resident uh, Knicks lifer, and you have Derrick Rose. So what do you think? So when I first saw the trade on Twitter, I got really excited because I was like, KP at the five more cap space in 2017. So I even think I tweeted, like, this is good, but I'm going to miss Rolo. 
And then, like, 30 seconds later, I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? I don't know what the Knicks were. I know You know what they're thinking, but they're hedging too much on cap space again. Um, Jose Calderon, worthless. If you want to argue that Jaron Grant, a first-round pick, isn't going to be anything more than a backup after one year because he didn't play well or at all in a system that doesn't suit him, fine. But Robin Lopez was worth a pick of some sort. And I get why you're moving him, because you want cap space, but now you're just hedging on the fact that the Knicks are going to be able to sign free agents. And this isn't, to me, this isn't about Derrick Rose even a little bit. Like, oh, great, if he returns to all-star form, that means the Knicks are going to give him a max deal in 2017. (laughs) That's the last thing you should want. So the Knicks are essentially saying that Robin Lopez and Jaron Grant um, are not worth uh, them not being able to chase Russell Westbrook or Stephen Curry or Chris Paul in 2017. And I don't necessarily agree with that because you're probably not going to sign any of those guys. And Robin Lopez, above anyone else, is really, really good. I do like, um, you brought it up at the start, I do like the fact that it could mean like permanent mellow at the four, Chris Stepps at the five, at least for this season. So I guess it makes sense from that perspective, but I also agree with you on Rose. Like even if he gets back to near all-star level, what's the shelf life you can expect on that? I mean... Well, I just don't want to pay him. And the other thing is I would probably be a little feel a little bit better about this trade if I didn't already see the names that the Knicks are supposed to chase in free agency this year that would effectively move Kristaps back to the four. Keep me the hell away from Joakim Noah. (laughs) I do not want to give Pau Gasol $15 million a year for the next two years. If you sign Dwight Howard, which I don't think Phil Jackson ever would, but if you sign Dwight Howard, you're contending for a title circa 2010. So it just doesn't... Like, why isn't Al Horford's name being dropped? You're not going to get him, but at least say you're chasing him because he would make sense. So this has more to do with my very little faith in the Knicks franchise to make the right decision. But if it means KP at the 5 and Melo at the 4, yes, you can at least justify it that way. So here was my main question because when I saw it, I was was laughing. I was like, wow, the Knicks would trade for Derrick Rose. Like, this is the most Knicks move ever to chase something that's not out there. But then I thought about it, and I thought, well, what kind of foundation do they have in place, and what kind of assets do they have? And I know they just traded a bunch of those assets, but... They're only two. (laughs) Right, well, they don't have a lot... I mean, they don't have a first this year, right? Mm -hmm. They have a first next year. Yep. Right, but... They are pretty depleted in the asset department. So what I was thinking was, well, this isn't going to be your conventional team building strategy. So maybe this is, I mean, this is admittedly a shortcut, but maybe they have to take sort of these alternate routes because they they can't sort of sit back and develop players because they just don't have the assets to do that right now. But I mean, tell me if I'm way off. I, I, again, they don't. And their timeline with Melo, I, I get it. But this should have been a trade where you got more. Like, there are just, in my head, and I probably can't name anything, but there were probably just so many better trades out there. If you partnered Grant and Robin Lopez, and if you needed Calderon to, like, do something with salary, like, would, would Lopez and Grant have gotten the Knicks, like, Drew Holiday? Maybe would have made more sense. So I just, I, I think Robin Lopez, his deal in the new salary cap, Based what he does on defense, he improved as a passer on offense. Like Derrick Rose is like, what are you, what are you trading for? 
And I know people were wondering who were the Knicks bidding against because they gave up like way too much for him. But you had to match the salary. Otherwise, you don't get to use your cap space this year. Like absorbing Rose into salary cap would have arguably have been worse. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that this deal, as it lies, happened after right after Derek Williams and Aaron Aflalo opted out because you could have used one of them perhaps to help match that salary instead of Rolo. And I honestly believe that the Bulls weren't looking to get anything of value for Rose. They just lucked into talking with the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like they were just unloading, which actually leads in pretty well to another question that I had. Um, we may not have to spend a ton of time on this, but is it weird to either one of you or disappointing that so many people still think that Derrick Rose was like the best player traded yesterday? I, it's not weird. It's sad. Like it's just it's, it's name recognition. Like Derrick Rose isn't like Derrick Rose. Like I I don't like where does he fit in today's NBA, especially on the Knicks roster? Like you better surround him with as many shooters as hell. Like he can't shoot, so he can't play off the ball. And now you have to jostle his touches with Melo and KPs. Like where where does he fit in today's NBA? Like where his, where does he fit? His shooting is among the very worst in the entire league. And yeah, I have to say... That's the best. That, I mean, that's the most important skill in the game. Go ahead, Alec. Yeah, watching him... I mean, I used to love Rose. He, I mean, I loved his old attacking style, but when I watch him ever since these injuries, everything he does seems to be predicated on trying to fill up these pull-up jumpers. And it's just, like, it's unbearable to watch because not only is his form, like... I mean, it's pretty it broken. I think painful. Dan, yeah, I actually think Dan broke this down like two years ago in a piece. He like <laughs> there were screenshots, and you could see like how crooked his elbow was. And I was looking at that, and I was like, what? like you could see this guy was taking like twenty, thirty percent of his shots from three, and like they're just not good shots for him. Like it, at least try and work like Westbrook pull up jumpers or something. It makes sense, like in theory, because you don't want him necessarily. You want him attacking, but like one, he can't do what he used to do, right. and two. I don't even know. This probably isn't a proven fact, but you don't want him doing it as much for fear of him getting injured more. But he's not making these shots, and we're in. What are what is what are we really in of the reconstruction of Derrick Rose? Is it year like, three? Is it year well, four? Well, I think the first injury happened in 2011, right? Yeah, it did. It happened in that playoff series. So, five so like, no, that was that was 2012. Yeah, it was, okay, I think so it was four 2012. Years. It was 2012. And, well, he didn't play 2012-2013, so, like I'm saying, see, and then he got injured again in 2013-2014. Yeah, it's just been a, it's been a mess ever since then. And right, I, and that that's not him, fair to but, him, but, yeah. but now, like, the past two years, he's played most of the games, has he not? Like, we're in at least year two of the full reconstruction of Derrick Rose, and it's just not, he's just not, as he is today, he's not fit to play in the league. At least not the role well, not, that he, yeah. Right. I, I, I knew what you were saying. Um, what do you guys think about this deal from the Bulls side? I, I think they obviously won the trade, right? Killed it. I mean, fleeced them. Yeah. What? Like, Robin <laughs> Lopez allowed. Robin Lopez is going to make less than both Pau Gasol and Joakim Noah get. Like, and, and he's under contract for yeah. three more years. That's I think he's, he's clearly better than Noah right now, I think. Just based on Noah's injury history Hell, the last couple yeah. of years. And, yeah. Um, Jaron Grant may never be more than a backup, but I think like he'll drive and pass, so you can do that. Calderon is like he he's whatever, but you can you can make Robin Lopez down the line if the Bulls decide to rebuild. You can make him part of a bigger deal that a team will want. 
Like that contract is going to be gold. I also like that it finally ends this, what was already a pointless debate between Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. Like, and unless they go ahead and move Butler, um, which I think some people think is a possibility, but now it Team is Bobby officially. Portis. What's that? Team Bobby Portis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe he'll get some more time too. Um, but I, I just think it kind of clears the air for the Bulls. I think Lopez helps them too. Um, any other thoughts on their side of the deal? They won. <laughs> it's just. It I'm seems so they got they got value for a player that they never should have gotten value for. That that contract, even though it's expiring, it's it's just still not good because it takes up so much of your spending power. Yeah. I'm with you. So let's move on to the other trade that happened yesterday, and this is the one that I think is a bigger deal from a basketball sense. Um that may be my pro Utah jazz bias speaking, but um Utah picks up George Hill from the Pacers. The Pacers pick up Jeff Teague from the Hawks, and the Hawks get the number 12 pick from the Jazz. Um, I think this is a runaway victory for Utah, and I can explain why, but I want to hear what you guys think. I'll defer to Alec first. Um, I, I'm, I had two initial reactions when I saw the trade. One, I love it for Utah because Hill is an immediate upgrade for them at a position of need. I mean, maybe this ends Trey Burke's time. That would be lovely. That was already <laughs> over. There was no way he was coming back next year. Um, but I think what people don't realize, like George Hill is a tremendous defender. I think his wingspan is 6'9", 6'10". And so, mm-hmm. I mean, Utah was already trending positionless and they can switch near everything, if not everything. George Hill also shot better than 40% from three last year. He's a good shooter, like better than people give him credit for, at least off the catch. I mean, he's not going to be a playmaker, like creating off the bounce. But I mean, he's really nice for them. And my second thing was I was so ecstatic to see Teague land with not the Sixers. That (laughs) that rumored trade was so, oh, it just, it was a gut punch. Like I tried talking myself into it the second I saw it. I was like, well, you know, they need a point guard, but Nerlens is, I, I mean, Nerlens is far more valuable than a, than a rental. And even, I mean, I know the Pacers are talking about signing Teague to an extension, but do the Sixers really want that? No. So. Teague is another guy whose name value far outweighs his actual basketball value, based on the stuff that I saw from uh, responders on Twitter and everything yesterday. He made, I mean, the Hawks were like seven or eight points per hundred possessions worse when he was on the floor last year. Um, so I don't, what are the Pacers doing? I guess they want to play faster. Is that really the only and angle not, here? And not play defense? It, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say they don't want to play there, defense. There are worse defenders at the point guard position, don't get me wrong, but I think so much of the Pacers' defensive success last year was you had George Hill to cover up for Monte Ellis. Jeff Teague ain't covering up for Monte Ellis. So, like, now all of a sudden you place a bigger burden on Paul George, who will probably yeah. have to defend point guards on some nights. So it's just, I, I didn't understand it from Indy's perspective. Like, and it, it just makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense to me either. I, I guess Larry Bird's been talking about playing faster for the last couple of years, and, and I think you can maybe justify it from that perspective, or maybe you want to say that it's just time to shake things up. We've gone as far as we can with this group, but... Just in a vacuum, I don't think there's any way you can argue that Jeff Teague is a better basketball player than George Hill. 
So here's my my main question, I think. The Hawks are obviously moving to Schroeder. Assuming Horford re-signs, what direction is this team going in right now? Really? I, I, I mean, maybe they get a decent rotation guy at number 12. I just, I, but Bazemore could be out. I mean, and it just, I don't know. There's something there. It feels like there's a disconnect. They're I just in don't like see a them. weird so, purgatory right now. They, like. I, that's right. what I was going to say. They feel like, like the Pacers are below purgatory right now. I think like they're, I, whatever, whatever. They're so in a like sub purgatory. They're, they're in sub purgatory based on yesterday's move. But I mean, the Hawks are just kind of like lingering. I don't know. I, I mean, granted, they have you. splitter coming so, back, right? Yeah, yeah that, so that doesn't I really move the needle for me. Go ahead, Dan. So for the Hawks, I think now, it, so if they were going to, because Bazemore is going to get a big deal, and they only have his early bird rights, so they, they had to use their cap space on him. And if you factored in Horford's hold, the Hawks literally had to cut salary like crazy just so they could afford Bazemore and Horford to keep them. Now there's a scenario where I think they'll have like 24 or 26 million with Horford's cap hold. So you can, if you cut that, most of it will probably go to Bazemore. Let's say it's 15. So if you can pick up a guy for like between 10 and 12, uh, all of a sudden I think that changes. Like, you know, maybe you're fine with Dennis Schroeder at point guard. And if you can add that other guy, maybe it helps. Uh, you could look to move Kyle Korver to open up even more and try and get another splashy name. But you're right that they're stuck. And if, if Bazemore leaves and they re-sign Al Horford, I think it's even worse because it's like, where is this team going? Its front court is amazing, but it's old. And then you just have Dennis Schroeder. Like, Kyle Korver is 50, and Dennis Schroeder is like, he's the point guard. I'm not even sure if he's a full-time starting point guard, but if he is, he's is he a full-time starting point guard for a playoff team? I don't, like... I don't... I hope this doesn't take us on too big of a tangent, but... Is there oh, here any, we go. Is there any, <laughs> Is there anyone but the Sixers in the Eastern <laughs> Conference who's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Sixers and the Cavs who aren't really stuck. I like where this is going a lot. Because <laughs> the Sixers, I can look at the Sixers and see Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and think, okay, they're moving in a certain direction. The Cavaliers are obviously the Cavaliers. What is, what is the rest of the Eastern Conference? The Celtics aren't stuck. The, the Celtics aren't stuck. And I also, this might be unfair but I tend to think the Heat are never stuck as long as Pat Riley is calling the shots because they true. I mean I like granted Wade is on his last legs Dang is a free agent Whiteside is a free I mean they're they're in flux but I never doubt Pat Riley ever. they're like I don't know it's all gonna come crashing down a year or two on them I think it helps that they they all of a sudden have these guys in Justice Winslow Josh Richardson and Tyler Johnson who are young and good which will help but I think you could argue that they're stuck unless they they have to like win win free agency. Yeah. Um, so I I get Bailey's point there, but for the Hawks, is it? It seems a little bit pricey to me to tread water. At the same time, if you lose Hawford in free agency for nothing, that's a fail. Like you might as well just resign him because you know you can move him at the trade deadline or in a year or something. Are they almost at a point where they gotta blow it up? Well, I was going to say, I mean, Millsap has a player option next season. I mean, granted, it's a big one. It's $21.5 million. But say he wants one last long. Right. He wants everyone's going to opt out. And he's going to want, he'll be 32. He'll want one more long term deal. I mean, if Horford for some reason doesn't come back, like they have to seriously think about trading Millsap at the trade deadline this year, no? 
I would say yeah, even beforehand, then get that yeah. Brooklyn pick from Boston, unless Horford goes to Boston, in which case <laughs> that won't work. But <laughs> I would agree with you. I think Millsap's phenomenal, but uh, the yeah, decision it's going to be hard curious. to bring him back, like to convince him to yeah. come back if things fall apart this summer. Right. Um, my guess is he'll stay because they're going to offer him. My guess would be more money, but on the Hawks' part, like I'm still. And maybe Bailey doesn't feel the same way because this is where they are now. But I still think the Jazz, like, effed up when they didn't get anything for Jefferson or Millsap. And they just let them both go. Like, it I'm not a out, fan of doing it. Yeah. Like, it turned out okay. But there, I definitely see the argument you for you have on, to. You could on, like, at least two more firsts, which yeah. isn't a bad situation to yeah. be in. Which is, I'm generally of the opinion that you should like you should at least get some sort of return value, even if it's pennies on the dollar at that yeah. point. You ha- like if a guy's going to walk, nothing. you have to get something. Exactly. Yeah. So, but especially now, like to lose, like Al Horford, who is like one of the most versatile big men in the game. I, I think it's him and then Demarcus Cousins are like the most versatile centers in the game, probably. Oh, KAT too. But to lose him for nothing would sting. But if you keep him. But I guess you could argue, even if they maintain the status quo, is there a chance Schroeder is a bit of an upgrade over Jeff Teague? He doesn't shoot as well, but it's like Bailey said, they were worse with uh, Teague on the court. I think the argument for Schroeder is, one, he's younger. Two, they're better defensively defensively when he's on the floor. Um, And they were actually better offensively, too, when he was on the floor. But I... I have a hard time trusting him offensively. He makes a lot of, like... Questionable decisions. Yeah, questionable decisions. He seems to get ahead of himself a lot of times. Um, And maybe that's just youth, and maybe that's something that he'll kind of grow through as he becomes the starter. But it's, I think it's it's not a slam dunk to me with him. Does it make them worse, though, is my question. I don't think it makes them worse. So then maybe that's like, hey, we got a number 12 pick to stay where we are. Yeah. Like that could end up being what it is at the end of the day. What about this deal uh, from the jazz side? I, I obviously love it. They've been one of the worst teams in the NBA from the point guard position, just in like a raw production standpoint for three or four years now. Um, and Alec, I think it was Alec brought up earlier that he's, that Hill's maybe not the best playmaker which actually might make him a better fit in Utah than some other point guards because they've got point forwards like uh, Gordon Hayward. Rodney Hood showed that he can run the pick and roll. And so there's going to be a lot of offensive sets where George Hill can just kind of be a floor spacer on the wing or in the corner. Um, and he's going to help him defensively. He's, he's versatile. He can play multiple positions just like their other guards, Burks and Exum and uh, even Mack. They talked about being able to play him at the two, even though they didn't do it last year. Um, I, I love it. I, I really can't see anything to complain about it. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was an obvious win. And I think uh, I think Hill, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Hill might be kind of like the prototype for what you hope Exum becomes. I mean, in terms of like a, like utilizing his length. Yeah. I mean, you if you can have like two defenders of that caliber who can switch that often and just like disrupt that many positions, I think that's a huge win. Yeah, I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of times where those two are on the floor together. Uh, you know, some people have asked the question, "What does this do for Exum's development?" I don't think it hurts it at all, especially yeah. with him coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, gives him kind of a soft landing on the return. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it, and he, he's on an expiring contract. With some people have said. 
that's a problem for Utah. Why would you give up a number 12 pick for an expiring contract? But it sounds to me like from what Hill's agent has said that he'd be interested in coming back. And if, if Exum's development suddenly hits warp speed this season, then you just let him go, and it's fine, and you proceed with Exum. Or, or you get rid of Alec Burks. That, uh, that could be coming down the pipeline. Because there, uh, so, there's a lot of guys in that backcourt now. Right. Um, the other thing that would be is a little bit weird, and I don't think you move forward with, you know, obviously Trey Burke is gone, but I don't think you move forward with Burks, Exum, and Hill. Hill's going to be a free agent. Gobert is going to need his money. Hayward's going to opt out. That's going to be a very expensive hey. summer for the Jazz. And, and then the year after that, assuming they don't make any moves, you know, Favors will be a free agent in 2018. Um, Dante Exum will be extension eligible. And at that point, I think you'll have to, Hood will be extension eligible too. So that's the I think, issue with like these, everybody's been really high on Utah's rebuilding process for the last couple of years and how many good young players they have. But eventually you got to pay everybody when the cupboard's full, they, they, you have to start paying players. Um, one thing they've talked about doing to kind of hedge against that is sort of, I think it was either last summer or two summers ago what the Nuggets did with Wilson Chandler where they extended him before his contract was up. Um, They're talking about doing that with favors to maybe try to maintain some of that flexibility. But, yeah, like there's a ton of names coming up. Go ahead, Dennis. Sorry, cut you off. No, that's that's about it. And I would think at this point, I know George Hill. Is is he pushing 30? How old is he? He's 28, 29? I almost said 31, but somebody might want to look that up. Yeah. Um, So George. Yeah, Yeah, so – I get that Burks is like half a decade his senior, but I just like what Hill does so much better than Burks. Like, his, in a nutshell, like, is Hill not clearly the better player right now? And would you rather get the next three years of Hill or the next three years of Alec Burks? Just down the pipeline, I'm saying, in terms of he's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure you keep both Burks um, and Hill. So, Good and thing. Hill would probably make comparable money. Like, I'm not sure he gets more than 11 or 12 million next year the other thing with burks and i i like him about as much as anybody um but he's had a really hard time staying on the court the last couple of years and when he has played he's been he's been like the one jazz player who can't seem to fully buy into the quinn snyder basketball where it's like constant ball movement constant player movement he's still the one guy who will catch the ball stop on a wing and isolate for 10 or 15 seconds. So he just might not be a great basketball fit either. So I, I think I'm with you on that, Dan. So that'll be interesting. But I think the Jazz won this year. And if they're healthy, you got to look at them as like probably a top five or six Western Conference team. I look, they're, they're four best lineups. They're four, excuse me, they're four most used lineups last year. Most used had a net rating equivalent to ranking third in the NBA, all of them. They're full most used. Injuries killed them this year. Right. So, I mean, with Hills, they're they're better. Like yeah, he, I agree. He's a seamless fit. I'm totally interested agree. to see, what does this do to Shelvin Mack? Like, is he a it part of the plan at all anymore? Yeah, like, now they have, I, I think we can reasonably say Burke, Trey Burke is gone. Like, he was already gone before this deal happened. But that still leaves them with George Hill, Dante Exum, uh, Shelvin Mack and Raul Neto, who exceeded a lot of people's expectations last year. So they have, they definitely have things to sort out. Even though you can reasonably say that Exum and Hill can play a little two as well, um, 
it's there there still seems like there's another move or two coming do you think and we should probably move off the jazz eventually but do you think that they're going to consider trading Derek favors at all this isn't even necessarily about yes trey lyles is is so much better than anyone expected because i hated that pick but also <laughs> like too. you could get by with hayward at the four hood could probably play at the four a little bit um and that seems like you know that's not that's not necessarily Quinn Snyder basketball, but that seems to fit better, especially if you don't have to sacrifice anything defensively. That seems to fit better in today's league. I think you could argue that Derek Favors is the best all-around player on the Jazz, but for the last year or two, I've I've been on board with this idea that he might be the most movable of this group, and that helps with the flexibility thing we were talking about earlier. Um, it could help them play a more modern sort of offense. When Gobert and Favors were on the floor together last year, Utah was really good. Um, but just looking down the road, I still I still feel like a Lyles Gobert front court makes a little more sense in a modern NBA. Um, right. And I think I think you can get good value for Favors too. So I think that's something that they should very much be on. Would the you Would you trade him for the third pick as a part I'm, of that package? Like Favors as a yeah. center, Boston. I like, like that a lot, really actually. Well. And that's um, so the stupid Gordon Hayward rumors that <laughs> came out. Um, I think it was yesterday, and that's all they were. Yeah, yeah. Like the, there's more today too. The uh, Suns tried to get tried to give them Bledsoe for there Gordon was Hayward stuff yesterday too. Um, but the Gordon Hayward for number three doesn't make as much sense to me because I I think Hayward has more value to the Jazz than he does around the league. Favors for number three actually does intrigue me. And uh, I think it's for some of the reasons you already stated, I think Favors really works well in Boston. Um, and it's not a guy that I don't, I don't think it breaks Utah's back if he's, if he leaves. And I, number three is good value. Even though I don't really love this draft after the top two, I still think that's pretty solid value. Like, well, I'll not... oh, go ahead, Alec. I was just going to ask if you got number three, who's your ideal fit for the jazz there? Because I mean, Dragon Bender and Rudy Gobert front court. Let's go. <laughs> but you want to take off? Um, yeah, I don't know if I would take a big guy there because I want Jamal Murray for sure, right? I think I would go Murray. Mur- Murray's been I, my clear number three for months. Yeah, I guess Hield would be a little redundant with Hood already there. And I think so. No. Yeah, I agree. I think a just like a Murray Hield comparison too. I take Murray every time because he's a freshman and did basically what Hield did as a senior. Um, okay. So I, to me, it's uh, Murray was, was always the no brainer at number three, especially that since Utah already has Lyles and Gobert, I, I'm not sure Bender makes a ton of sense for them there. Um, and shooting, like I said earlier, that's, that's skill number one in the NBA right now. And it, generally translates so i i think murray's gonna be really good i know a lot of people are kind of like like high key low on him they don't think that he's <laughs> gonna be like good um i see his skill set and i just think it fits yeah yeah i i tend to agree i people seem to be down on murray because he's not like an above the rim athlete but like i think he can play both guard positions he's been very vocal that he's been a point guard his whole life and that he wants to handle the ball more so i mean we already know what he can do off the ball. He he averaged the most points on that Kentucky team, and he shot, I mean, what, better than 40% from three? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's he has everything. I mean, I would love him 
the weird the thing Sixers about to get the, selfish for a minute, but the weird thing about the Murray criticisms to me um, is it's a lot of the same people who love Devin Booker right now, who was I, I think we might be at a point where Devin Booker is almost overrated. He shot thirty four percent from three as a rookie, yeah. and people are in love with this guy. Um, I don't I don't understand what makes him so much better than Jamal Murray, maybe an inch or two taller. Um, I think he, yeah, I think there's that. And could you argue, argue necessarily, I guess that Devin Booker probably has the higher defensive ceiling. Like Murray's never going to guard small forwards. Booker could yeah, probably could guard three positions. That, right? Yeah. I guess that's fair. But um, I, what about, go ahead. So would you essentially go, so let's say it's the number three pick and then you just match salary, like, like I don't know you're good that you would, would get have, anything else out of Boston. It'd, it'd have to be, like be a mirror just to match salary. Yeah, that's exactly that. But you do it, is what I'm saying. I probably would. I kind of like that for both sides, even though, just because I feel like Jamal Murray could end up being a really good fit in Boston, but he seems a little bit redundant with Avery Bradley already there. But yeah. the way the Celtics play, like Murray could end up being their power forward at some point. Like I don't <laughs> even know. Yeah, you never know with Brad Stevens. I like it too. Favors, um, he's not as good at center as he is at power forward, and maybe that's just a system thing. I think I think Brad Stevens can make it work. I I, I think that would be a good. Jared Sollinger worked at center last year. Exactly. Yeah. At center. He that would yeah clear upgrade. Um. So since that's kind of in the books, I know Andy had tweeted out something last night. Trade respond to this tweet with the most realistic trade ideas for your favorite team. I tried so to I'm gonna, put that caveat in there. I don't know if it worked. Um, I'll read out the. I'll only read out a. Here's the ridiculous ones. Okay. Jared Jack for a first round pick. Whew. Um, this one. This one was weird. Danny Green for the number six pick, and then Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders said this. Um, I think. Danny Green, he's referencing Danny Green, is worth more than the five. I know this draft is shallow, but could we be like... I mean... For a second. <laughs> that seems a little hyperbolic. I mean, he's on a great deal. He's making $10 million a year for the next three years, so that's a bargain. He, he but I mean, he is what he, offensively. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, what did he shoot from three last year? Like, it was, it was low 30s? Huge, a huge slump. It was so uncharacteristic. Um, yeah. He shot. Let's see what he shot. He shot 33.2% from three. That's worse than I thought. Granted, that's after four straight seasons of shooting better than 41. But like, yeah, that's got to be an outlier, but that's still weird. I mean, he shot, he shot 51.1% in the playoffs. So there's that. Maybe it came back. Yeah. Um, I'm just, (laughs) come on, the number five pick for Danny Green. Yeah, straight up for Danny Green. Well, and especially because the no no team, I mean, who's drafting five minutes, Minnesota doesn't have a contending timeline to even use Danny Green appropriately. I mean, I'm sorry, Minnesota probably does that deal. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Thibodeau's probably like, yeah, we should do (laughs) it. Could you imagine going from being like, hey, we want the number five to Jimmy Butler for, hey, we'll take Danny Green? (laughs) Um, the other one, and I don't know, um, Dave Leonardis, a friend of the Hardwood Knox podcast, it, this seems a little steep, but he said Ashik, Tyreek Evans, and number six for Greg Monroe. I know that Ashik's deal is bad, but like I can't watch Greg Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat, and I just, 
I mean, I think we touched on this before, but I I wouldn't touch Monroe in that deal because he has, he has one guaranteed year left. That's what I and was even say. even if he exercised his player, I mean, even if he opted in, which no one is going to do when the cap goes up to like 108, 110, whatever it is. I, it's I, I just don't like that rental, especially for a New Orleans team that, like, again, contending timeline doesn't really match up with Monroe's prime. Right. If you if you could somehow get rid of Ashik uh, without giving up the number six pick, I don't care yeah. who you give up aside from like give up Holiday is like a to grease the wheels. I don't care, but I wouldn't do that trade because of Greg Monroe. Like I just I'm just like it's not even his contract. Like he's a defensive disaster. Um, and the Pelicans are bad enough defensively, even with Davis, as it is. It's And I don't want to discredit what he does, because it, it can be sometimes fun to watch him score in the post, but not really. And he's a pretty good passer. But you need to put him on a team like the Celtics, or I thought the Bucks would work, but they clearly didn't have enough perimeter defense. Like He needs to be somewhere where you just have like lockdown. This is a hy- hypothetical scenario, Bailey, but like you could put Greg Monroe on the Jazz, and a team like that could survive. They should not. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's <laughs> yeah, the type I'm with of... Yeah, i um, This one's interesting, and I just saw it now. The Celtics trade number 16, 23, 31, and R.J. Hunter to the Kings for number eight. What is... Um, did, you guys, did you guys see... The, did you guys just see this Mark Stein flurry for breaking mm. news? No. <laughs> oh, no. What did he do? <laughs> he said... He said Philadelphia is ramping up its efforts to acquire number three, um, most likely involving Nerlens Noel. My trade article is going to go to, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that is fascinating. I was just I about like to say New Boston. Orleans would be a great landing spot. I was going to say New Orleans would be a great landing spot for Noel because um, they could really use an actual rim protector next to Davis. But, I mean, oh, I, have so, I have so many thoughts. Um, it's, I'm sorry. It sucks for, I don't, I wouldn't, is done worth, I think there's probably they, a better deal out there. If they, you get, I don't know. I give up. I don't Sixers, know though. I mean, the only, the only guy I could see, I mean, I really like Bledsoe, the surgery, the knee surgeries concern me, but I mean, if we consider Dunn, like Dunn reminds me of Bledsoe to a degree. I mean, I, they're very he might, similar. He probably better fit your timeline. I mean, like. Oh, he definitely fits the timeline better. I mean, but he is he is still one of those guys. I mean, he played he was a four year player. Um right, right. and again, but, so him and Bledsoe are kinda well, they're not that close in age. Isn't Dunn twenty three? What is he? Bledsoe's probably like twenty six now. He is twenty six, yeah. What if the Sixers took Jamal um, Murray? With that third pick, I don't. I think I think their their love of Dunn is so well documented. I think okay. I think Buka reported like two months ago. They were like they were like, listen, if like they're gonna take Simmons, but like they love Dunn, and then it's been everywhere. It's been hard for them to hide. I mean, I it just what do you do with Oka for if this happens? He's, I mean, you just build a second unit around him. I yeah. Or do I you feel like they need to move. Feed? I don't. I thought they like, need to move heaven and earth to get him <laughs> off the roster. I I agree. I mean, I think you have to. I think you have to bring him off the bench and build a second unit around him. Honestly, because like an Ennis, you play, you type play, of a thing. you could play. Yeah, you could play Embiid at the five, and then let just let Simmons play the four and be a, and share playmaking responsibilities with Dunn. If that's going to be the case, I don't think you can afford to muck up your spacing 
with Okafor, Simmons, Embiid, and I just there's not enough there. That could be. But at least if you bring him off the bench, at least if you bring him off the bench, you can afford him the space to work and give him the time to get those possessions. Because is Saric Lord knows he sure too. It's not a sure thing. Okay. It depends which source you consult. I mean, um, that certainly makes it, things interesting too, because he's a three-four as well. Yeah, he's a three-four. I, yeah, that's very interesting. I just, I mean, it's a good get for Boston. Honestly, you also have to, I mean, you have to think Philadelphia gives up something else now. I yeah, maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, if the Celtics get Covington and Noel, that's pr- I think you could argue if the Sixers if they get Covington too, I'm. Um, if they get Covington, too, I'm going to be a little miffed. Well, you're not going to have any shooting. That's why. But... Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, then your best swing man is Jeremy Grant. Granted, he's a good defender. He can defend one through four, but he's not a shooter by any means. And I Then you got to hope that Ben Simmons shot comes around sooner than everybody. Well, I mean, granted, they do have. They don't need to granted, make the playoffs they... this year or anything either, so. I mean, they also, they're also they also $60 million below the projected cap floor, so it's not like they can't go out and spend. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it just it seems like I really like Noel, but with him going towards restricted free agency and you're going to get that cost-controlled asset at number three, Noel Covington kind of makes the most sense. Yeah, but, I mean, that is true. Noel is about to be restricted. So um, if they don't want to pay him. Right, I think uh, I like that deal for both sides. Yeah, it's listen. They, I've been, I like done a lot. Yeah, so. I think right. it works. I just, I, I'm just hoping it doesn't go through until like tonight <laughs> for you. For your oh, own I don't sake. think it'll. I think I think Dunn gets drafted by the Celtics, but they draft him. I mean, and then you, we find out, you know, a minute later they drafted him for the Sixers. That's fine. I don't think that, I don't think this happens beforehand. Um, all right, so there's that. Uh, thank you, Alex, for monitoring that. Yeah, uh, keep an uh, eye on it. Someone actually wrote that in Andy's mentions, but I think I think this exact there trade was like Chad Ford's idea, right? Like, wasn't Covington yeah, Chad, and Noel? He had Covington, Noel, and yeah, Covington and Noel for like number three and like RJ Hunter. I want to say. Um, I think that helps. Yeah. I kind of like Hunter. I don't know why, but. Like, I've been irrationally high on him since before yeah, he was drafted. You're also irrationally high on Jimmer, so I, I think that's the first thing. <laughs> well, no, that well, is rational. Also snag, what if they can get your boy Terry Rozier out of that, too? I love Terry Rozier. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. Now, that's one that I don't get. Shut up, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, next, next hypothetical. Yeah. This one's kind of interesting. Um, we just talked about it. Celtics trade number three in Jarebko for favors. Would you prefer Jarebko to Amir Johnson? They're both um, non-guaranteed. Yeah, somebody. But, I actually did see that one yesterday. That's one of the ones I saw, and that's interesting to me for a lot of the same reasons we already talked about. Um, I don't. It, does Boston have cap space this summer? Like, could they? Absorb yeah, I'm not favors? sure. If they, I'm not sure they would want to. Like, I think they would still want to be players. So I'm not sure they would want to take that seven million dollar difference hit. But um, it would have to be done in the off season after the draft. But it would it would work. And I think Jarebko um, works on the Jazz. Yeah, like same he's here. At, I think he's a good uh, second unit, like floor spacer from the floor. We have another Celtics one. Celtics send three and sixteen. To Nuggets for picks number seven, nineteen, and Yosef Nurkic. 
I guess if Nurkic is like what he was as a rookie, that's he was just injured right. last year. Yeah, I think. I think that's probably true. Um, what do you think, Alec? Read those picks uh, off to me again? again. It was three. It, what was it? Was it three oh, no. and sixteen? Three and sixteen for seven, nineteen, and Nurkic. What, I wouldn't do that if I was Boston. I think the drop off from three to seven is like considerable. I mean, granted, you could also. I I like Murray and Dunn a lot more, but Boston, and I know yeah. some people are saying that that sort of third tier <laughs> separates it's or is kind of like up to the, you know, it's very subjective. But I have very high opinions of those two guys, so I would rather that that than settle for you know Marquise Chris or Jalen Brown, who I'm not particularly high on. I think he's going to be a problem in a bad way. Um, Brown, go ahead. Speeding through this to the next one, unless you guys have anything else to add, I'm actually no. giggling at it. Um, <laughs> Hayward in a good for, way, or no, I'm giggling like a, I hate it for both teams way. Okay, uh, Gordon Hayward for Devin Booker and the number four pick. Dude, that's that's one that I I don't know if you saw my timeline this morning. That's one I actually <laughs> responded to. It's terrible for both sides. Like, oh. I don't like that for anyone. No, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Boston's third pick. For, so all these are just going to involve are- Boston. Boston, <laughs> Boston's third pick for Paul Millsap, which, again, wouldn't be able to be done until the Celtics carved out cap space over the summer. I mean, you could throw out a mirror, too. You could do a mirror, probably number three for Millsap. I mean, I, mixed, I think there would have to be more coming from Boston, frankly. Um, which is bizarre, I- right? Like well, it is because I'm saying, like, if Millsap, if we agree Millsap might be gone after next year anyway because he has the opt out, I mean, then it's a good hedge by Atlanta because you are getting number three. But, and they, I mean, they could use wing help. Uh, to me, it's just if Atlanta picks a direction, this trade is either really good or bad. If they want to compete, then yes, trading Millsap is dumb. But if they're actually rebuilding, you're, yeah. you're not going to get a top three pick for a 31 year old like ever right. again. That's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, this one will probably make Alec want to puke. Trey Burke and the no. Warriors' 2017 pick for Philly's 26th pick this year. Trey Burke and what was this? The Warriors? 2000, so it's going to be the 30th pick. No, no because – well, so you're no, essentially saying – You're essentially you're saying say these picks for, cancel the – Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I – You're just getting Burke I for mean, free, basically. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, listen, I I would oh man, I like a lot of the guys at the end of the first round just in terms of like, you know, supplementary role players. Like I like I like DeAndre Bembry a lot, whether he's there in that at twenty four. I like Demetrius Jackson pending this done move. Um I like Patrick McCall. Like I'd rather have all those guys than Trey Burke, frankly. <laughs> just just because they're more unknown quantities. I know what Trey Burke is and I know I don't like him. Yeah. So that's fair. Don't here's, an, here's anything else to add to it? No, I just say do it. I say take um, it and run. <laughs> here's this fake trade, which is completely illegal because two of the players are going to be restricted free agents. But a sign-in yeah. trade, they said, Harrison Barnes, Festus Azili, Ian Clark, who's also going to be a free agent for Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, how are – I mean, if you're doing a – No. It wouldn't. It financially is impossible unless you're going to. Match well, that's what out. I just. I was going to say, yeah. how are you going to match salaries on that? If so, like, if this was the middle of the season, though, and 
uh, Dallas was like, screw it, let's do an about face. Um, I could see, like, it would make some semblance of sense, like, oh, hey, we have the rights to Barnes and Azili, and let's put Dirk on a contender. But, like, now it's just impossible. Um, here's another one, and I'm surprised that another person suggested this Fareed and one of the Nuggets' later picks to Minnesota for number five and Shabazz. I, the top five pick for Fareed is just, is it not so much? I know. I think, is Fareed name recognition again? Uh, maybe, and I think also, like, people, he is a pretty good rebounder. Uh, he would probably be fun on the break, and his contract isn't terrible. Um, did Bailey leave? No. So what do you think of that one, Bailey? You're going to have to read it to me again. Fareed and, let's say, number 15 for the Timberwolves, uh, for the Timberwolves, for number five and Shabazz. That's a, that's a uh, coup. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I love it for the Nuggets. Um, someone said number five and Levine for Butler, but I think the Wolves overpay there personally. Levine and uh, uh, you really think that's an overpay? Yeah, that's, I was I, about to ask the same thing. I don't think so at all. I don't know. I don't like. I don't particularly like Butler next to Wiggins and Rubio and Towns. I think if you can get a talent, I think my general point of view there is if you can get a talent like Butler on a team-friendly deal like that, then you have for that cheap of a price, I would take that shot. I mean, I, think I would do I, it too. I just I really like Zach Levine, I guess, and I don't want. I think just Butler takes away touches from Towns um, and Wiggins probably. Um, but again, it, I, I guess it's not terrible, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, Ross. This is a Raptors one. It makes no sense when I read it, but it'll make sense when we talk about it. Terrence Ross, Bruno Caboclo, number nine and number 24 for Marvin Williams, Marvin Williams who, who a is a free agent. agent. Yeah. <laughs> or Dudley. Or did it mean Jared Dudley? Dudley is also a free agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah but why would you trade <laughs> Why would you trade nine okay. alone for? I yeah, mean, I what? love Terrence Dudley. Wait, I really do. The but. last name, and I read these out of order, was is Daniil Gallinari, and that's oh where it starts my. to a little bit. Then, I would, if I'm the Raptors, maybe you don't trade number twenty-four in that, but I would, I would trade for Gallo. But why would Denver do that? Bruno Caboclo is the result. <laughs> 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 and he's only how he's many now years away is he now? He is now one. Oh, is he just two away? Well, I guess he's one year away from being one year away. Nailed it. Okay. (laughs) Um, That was great moments in draft history. I'm very much looking forward to Fran Frischilla talking about international guys tonight. I I cannot. Yeah, I want to hear the one Hernan Gomez take. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, this is awful. (laughs) Picks, Picks three. No, number three, number 16, Marcus Smart, Jerebko for Butler. Oh, wait, that's actually not bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it, what? That's not, that's not I, I'm bad. I'm sorry. I thought, yeah. When I first read it, I thought it said for Butler and Gordon Hayward. But it it says that. So there's that or picks number three, 16, and Jay Crowder for Gordon Hayward. I love Gordon Hayward. I hate that deal for the Celtics. This, the Jimmy Butler one makes more sense. It does because he's under contract, and you could just sign, try and sign Gordon Hayward next year. Yeah. Um, I guess that I think that's about it yeah. on the good, on the that good was a, ones. A good uh, rundown. I'm glad you could moderate yeah, that for me. 
I think my favorite one was Danny Green for number five or number six. <laughs> Mark it down. Um, but since we're finished, um, that means it's time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! Yes, it is Burns My Bacon time. Um, today, we have Andy, who's all fired up. So we're going to give the talking stick to him. Yeah, so my uh, bacon is burning over um, just sort of the general thoughts and feelings of the average NBA fan towards statistics. It's very, very strange to me. Um, If you post like a basic statistic, like true shooting percentage or something like that on Twitter, the instant reaction from like half half the people who see it is you don't watch basketball games. Um, and like, I had, I've had a bunch of people the last couple of days be like, Oh, I'm so sick of these analytics guys. Um, all these nerds who couldn't actually play the game in real life and are just trying to like horn in on it this other way. It's sort of the Charles Barkley take. Um, first of all, I am not an analytics guy. I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> there are, Tons of writers who are better with statistics, with actual advanced stats. The stuff that I post is super basic, super easy. Um, Secondly, this idea that analytics guys think that numbers replace watching basketball is so dumb to me. And, And also this idea that analytics guys think that numbers replace talent is ridiculous. And... It, the takes that I get from the people who are just so anti-stats are they're just like the last couple of weeks of my mentions have been a sobering reminder of the failure of American education, in my opinion. <laughs> um, it's like we talked about earlier. There's these players who are categorically, objectively awful now that people still like are pounding the drum for. It just makes no sense. It's driving me crazy. Um I I I had one guy yesterday who was calling me a nerd and stuff, and I I challenged him to a game on one on one. I still don't know where he lives. Hopefully he'll uh... Temecula, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say. That. Hopefully he'll get back to me on that. I I do think that he would be surprised uh, to show up and face a six seven two hundred and fifty pound guy in basketball, but maybe he's that size too. But uh, anyway, what do you guys? What are, what's your take on the whole anti statistics movement? I mean, numbers are stupid. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love numbers. I use them in, I mean, I've always used them as a way to just confirm what I'm seeing. Like, exactly. I, I'm not, See, I don't usually go in and just say, oh, look at this guy, you know, must be good because of the numbers. I'm like, this is what this guy does. And here are the numbers to prove that. Yeah. It's all worked together. There shouldn't be. There isn't one this side camp, or the other. Exactly. It, and that's the thing that bugs me because people don't realize that it just helps you understand the game better. Yep. You know, I disagree because I think I'm one of the guys, I don't watch games. I just use the numbers because <laughs> we're all just, we're, we're in this post-apocalyptic apocalyptic bunker. Wow. And I just had my calculator and my numbers and my websites. I haven't watched basketball since like 2003. That's um, what one so- guy said to... Somebody who was responding to me and then somebody responded to him said, oh, did you come up with that in the bathroom with your calculator? And I was like, oh, is that like the common place to come up with stats? 
<laughs> Very strange. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could go on either of your Twitter feeds any night of the regular season and see you guys watching, like, the most random regular season game, yeah, right? Like I mean, you I could do. be watching... <laughs> You could be watching, yeah, you could be watching, like, Suns Blazers at yeah. 1 a.m., tweeting through it, and people be like, oh, but you like numbers. <laughs> well, no, I'm, watch, I'm spending my time watching this. I told one guy my wife would certainly appreciate if I watched fewer games. Like, <laughs> it's pretty obvious throughout the year that that's, that's what we do. We sit at home and we watch basketball games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's actually scary how ignorant... Or that's, stubborn people still yeah, are. Yeah, that's been my thought the last few days. It's like you're just willfully being stupid. It's really weird. It's scary. Yeah. Yep. But that will do it for us. Um, we are all going to go take the rest of the day off to play with our calculators. Um, if I'm you watch Chris Dunn highlights. <laughs> no watching allowed, Alec. Uh, Celtic fans will be watching Nerland's Noel highlights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'll do it for us, though. Um, if you want to get at us on Twitter, you can follow Alec Nathan. He is at Alec B. Nathan. Spelled like it sounds. You can find Andy Bailey at Andrew D. Bailey. Also spelled like it sounds. You can find Adam Frommel at Frommel09. That's F-R-O-M-A-L-09. We missed him today, but not really. Uh, and you can find me at Dan Favalli. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. Finally, you can find all of us, minus Alec, at the Hardwood Knox Twitter handle. Minus all of us, really. Yeah, minus all of us. We <laughs> promise We promise to start using that before the year 2025. That's, that's our resolution. Um, but until next time, everyone. Shout out, Bino Udri. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port end of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port end of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.